views expressed on this episode of Walking Through the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions with Chris Schroeder do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or our affiliates. KHLT is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Now here's those two guys who investigate prior to contempt, Chris and the Monty Man. Well, welcome my friends and uh, recovery family. This is the Monty Man, your co-host here at Walking Through the 12 Steps of 12 Traditions. And uh, Chris Schroeder is on the line with us. Welcome, Chris. Hey, Monty. How are you doing this week? I'm, I'm doing excellent. We, um, we've had a, a great week here um, at, at the station. We've, we're, we're updating things and uh, if... if those of you who are listening have not checked out the rest of the station. We have a different show every day of the week. You want to check that out. Um, but today, um, our topic is step, uh, where are we at? Step two in the 12 yes, by 12. We're on step two this week. In the uh, book, The 12 Steps and 12 Traditions. If you don't have a copy of that, uh, folks, and you want to read along, uh, you can simply go to aa.org. And uh, you'll you'll bring up there'll be a a link there to bring up the uh, twelve steps and twelve traditions, and uh, we are on step two. So Chris, t- take us away here, buddy. Okay, um, Monty. The first week we covered uh, the forward and uh, uh, um, uh, some other material, just some historical material. Last week we uh, covered step one. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's important to to quickly go over a little bit of that. Um, the book, uh, 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, was written, uh, was put together uh, by Bill Wilson and finished off uh, in the very early 50s. Uh, the reason for the book was, um, the, print, the, the prominent reason for the book was uh, for the publication of the traditions in a form uh, that would be uh, available uh, very easily. The, the traditions had been written, uh, but they were only available in... Uh, uh, the Grapevine magazine, or in the back of, uh, I think they started putting them in the back of the book, Alcoholics Anonymous. But, you know, Bill felt really strongly that they should uh, uh, they should become a part of each group's operational methodology. And so he, you know, he published the book, The 12 and 12. Uh, he put the, uh, the essays on the steps in there. Uh, for uh, a number of reasons. One of them was to broaden and deepen the concepts of the steps uh, and talk a little bit about uh, the experience and some of the history and uh, some of the some of the practical application. But mainly it was uh, to get you to buy the book so that you would have the 12 traditions. Uh, it wasn't meant to, uh, to supersede in any way uh, the instructions for the steps in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. And then last week we talked a lot about step one. Step one is quite possibly the most misunderstood step in 12-step programs. Uh, so often people pay lip service to powerlessness, yet don't give it enough credit. Uh, powerlessness at its, um, you know, at its, at its depth 
is basically you, you you do not play a part in whether you use or whether you drink. Uh, that if if you're powerless, you don't have power to not do it. You don't have power to do it. You don't have power to stay away from it. You don't have power to stick with it. Uh, you're powerless. <laughs> and so many people um, will talk about powerlessness. And, and then act like you have power, and you know, or a treatment center uh, will be a twelve-step treatment center, uh, and then they'll put the responsibility for using on you. <laughs> you know, right. I mean, it's it's just uh, people just completely misunderstand uh, step one. Um, step one basically is <clears throat> until you have um, until you have a power greater than yourself working in in you and through you that is not is not of you uh until that happens uh you are going to continue uh, to relapse and not be able to stay away from you know whether it's uh, drugs or alcohol or gambling or whatever you're not going to be able to stop until uh, th- there's a power uh that can work in you and through you and that's basically step 1 uh, along with the unmanageability, which is um, which is emotional, it's mental, it's psychological, it's situational, uh, it's not good news at all. It's it's basically saying that your life is going to spin out of control, and it doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't it doesn't matter how how much you know uh, uh, that you could be doing it better. Uh, you're not really going to be able to, and that's another part of the powerlessness. It's uh, tied up in. Uh, the unmanageability of life. And with all that being said, the good news is basically that step two is a solution, uh, is a solution step. Step one is a problem step. Step two is a solution step. And I think what we should probably do is we should start reading. And this is on page 25 of the book, 12 Steps and 12 Traditions. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. The moment they read Step 2, most AA newcomers are confronted with uh, a dilemma, sometimes a serious one. How often have we heard them cry out, look what you people have done to us. You have convinced us that we are alcoholics and that our lives are unmanageable. Having reduced us to a state of absolute helplessness, you now declare that none but a higher power can remove our obsession. Some of us won't believe in God, others can't, and still others who do believe in that God exists have no faith whatever he will perform this miracle. Yes, you've got us over the barrel, right? But where do we go from here? Now, you know, I I still marvel at the power in Bill Wilson's prose. Uh, you know, he does not mince words. Yet, yet practically everybody that's involved in 12-step recovery, uh, uh, that's in, involved with a 12, 12-step style treatment center, uh, minimize uh, minimize the uh, uh, the problem in step one, but Bill Wilson doesn't. <laughs> no, you have been reduced to a state of absolute helplessness. Uh, you now, you, and only a higher power can remove your obsession. And he continues to cover that. So often in the book Alcoholics Anonymous and and in the the book Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions, he'll tell you what he's going to tell you. He'll then tell you, and then he'll tell you what he told you. <laughs> he wants he wants to make sure 
that you understand the full ramifications of this stuff because there's just something in the alcoholic or the drug addict's uh, uh, personality or belief systems that really it, it's, it's not conducive for this type of surrender. Uh, very, very few people can really get you know how much trouble they're in unless they're in the middle of it. He was really good at at saying the same thing but putting it in different words over and over and over again. And I think I think that that uh, I agree with you. We have a tendency to learn by repetition, but if we know it's repetition, if if if, if we recognize it, we put it down. But he has just such a. a a wonderful way of just speaking the same thing over and over and over again, and you don't realize it. It's it's and and, and that's why I I just I cringe when I hear people saying they're not willing to read this stuff because it is so powerful. Uh, you know, uh, so often that there's a there's a trend uh, there's a there's a trend in the twelve step fellowships to. Uh, to, to to minimize to find easy, easier softer ways. Yeah. There are there are groups uh, that use the, use the book Living Sober, and there are other, you know a lot of the other uh, other fellowships, um, uh, basically the fellowships for overcoming uh, drugs, have literature that kind of soft sells. It's more about you know telling stories really than it is about, you know, telling you, you know, how bad the problem is, sure. what you're going to need to do to, to solve it. Um, I, I think I think more and more in the 12-step fellowships, people are more interested in not hurting anybody's feelings and opening the doors wide enough that everybody that has any kind of problem can come in. And, when, you know, I, I like going back to the earlier foundational literature, like, like the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions and the book Alcoholics Anonymous. It does not mince words. It tells you that you are suffering from a fatal malady. It is going to kill you, and it's not going to be pretty while it's doing so. You are going to be bankrupt as a human concern, is basically what this tells you. Yeah. And uh, uh, and he, he just doesn't kid around. I, I mean... I'm in agreement with that. I, I think, I, I think uh, true compassion is to allow someone to truly and fully understand the problem. That's true compassion because <clears throat> in this book again and again, and in the book Alcoholics Anonymous again and again, they state over and over that the more trouble a person realizes they're in, the more serious they're going to take a recovery solution. And and it's the many of the people that die, who get uh, brief introductions to twelve step fellowships, but never engage. Many many of them are not under the impression that they didn't do what they were supposed to do. They really thought that just by going there, whatever was going to happen was going to happen. That that you know they they were never convinced. That it's not just the meetings; it's uh, the twelve-step recovery process. They, they, they weren't convinced of that. And there's probably five million people out there drinking and drugging, who, if uh, you ask them uh, whether they'd been to NA, CA, AA, or you know whatever, uh, they would have said yes. It didn't work for me. When really all they did was uh, was was go to meetings. Uh, again, I like to pull back and I like to use this literature. You know, um, uh, it's it's incredibly incredibly important uh, uh, to to do that. 
Um, when you understand how grievous the problem is, you <coughs> be about the business of the solution. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I talked about this last week, uh, Monty, but uh, but somebody uh, somebody that I knew very very well, and uh, you you even knew him too, if if not in person, you know, by by name, uh, that I worked with uh, in, in some of uh, uh, in treatment and recovery partners with uh, uh, Southworth Associates, uh, not Southworth Associates, uh, 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 what was the name of it? I, I can't even remember now the, the name, but this is somebody that I did a whole lot of work with about between two and three years ago. And uh, I, uh, I heard the other night uh, from a friend that he had taken his life. Oh. Now, th- this is an individual who, you know, uh, was very successful, blew up his life with, uh, with drugs and alcohol, uh, came, in, came into... Uh, to recovery, you know, worked the steps, got his act together, uh, was doing very, very well. Um, you know, he had meanwhile lost his family and some other stuff, but he was he was doing the best he could. Uh, I thought, you know, uh, putting putting together a business and trying to, to you know, support his uh, his loved ones mm-hmm. the best he could. You know, it just came as a surprise. I hadn't talked to him about six months, but it came as a surprise the other night that he'd uh, he'd taken his life. This this stuff is serious. I mean, yeah. a, a month doesn't go by when I don't hear about some tragedy. Yes. So, um, so paying attention to you know what what Bill uh, talks about and not soft selling it, not turning this thing into a self help program. You know, yay, yay, we don't use today. You know, <laughs> not doing that is an important thing. Understanding just uh, how much, uh, how serious this is, is an important thing. Yeah. Let's look first at the case of the one who says he won't believe, the belligerent one. He's in a state of mind uh, which can be described only as savage. His whole philosophy is life in which he so gloried is threatened. It's bad enough, he thinks, to admit alcohol has him down for keeps. But now, still smarting from that admission, he is faced with something really impossible. How does he cherish the thought that man, risen so majestically from a single cell in the primordial ooze, is the spearhead of evolution, and therefore the only God that his universe knows? Must he renounce all to save himself? And again, many people come into recovery with unnatural uh, prejudice against religion, against God, against spirituality. Uh, and that can be one of the most dangerous things uh, for uh, the person who is, uh, who is getting involved with, uh, with recovery. Um, not being able to let go of those old ideas. Not being able to set aside one's prejudices and one's belief systems. Um, th- that inability to set that aside to be open to a new experience, I think, is what kills probably more alcoholics and addicts than anything else. Sure. At this juncture, his AA sponsor usually laughs. This, the newcomer thinks, is just about the last straw. This is the beginning of the end. And so it is. The beginning of the end of his old life and the beginning of his emergence into a new one. His sponsor probably says, take it easy. The hoop you have to jump through is a lot wider than you think. At least I've found it so. So did a friend of mine who was a one-time vice president of the American Atheist Society, but he got through with room to spare. Well, says the newcomer, I know you're telling me the truth. It's no doubt a fact that AA is full of people who once believed as I do. But just how, in these circumstances, does a fellow take it easy? That's what I want to know. That, agrees the sponsor, is a very good question indeed. 
I think I can tell you exactly how to relax. You won't have to work very hard at it either. Listen, if you will, to these three statements. First, Alcoholics Anonymous does not demand that you believe anything. All of its 12 steps are but suggestions. Second, to get sober and to stay sober, you don't have to swallow all of step two right now. Looking back, I find that I took it piecemeal myself. Third, all you really need is a truly open mind. Just resign from the debating society and quit bothering yourself with such deep questions as whether it was the hen or the egg that came first. Again, I say all you need is an open mind. And I found that that's very, very, uh, very, very true, Monty. There's somebody, there's somebody I've been working with a long time. Now, this guy is a really, really close friend of mine. I met him in, like, third grade, <laughs> and we've remained friends ever since. And he was an old drinking buddy of mine. And, and then I heard, uh, I heard that he was, uh, you know, he was really in a lot of trouble. Uh, he was living in a bottle gang. You know, I mean, he had gone all the way down, and he was actually living out on the railroad tracks, uh, you know, uh, drinking with the winos. Right. And I, I got some recovery tapes to him, and we hooked back up as friends. You know, we hadn't talked in about 10 years. And, and this was about 15 years ago. Now, I, I've been in this guy's life. As a matter of fact, I was talking to him last night uh, when he was on the phone with me drunk. He's just somebody, Monty, I'm not going to give up on. Be, you know, prob probably a normal person that I'd be working with, I would have let go a, a long time ago. But, you know, this is a childhood friend of mine. I'm just not willing to to write him out of my life. Mm -hmm. But his issue, his issue is, it's a God issue. He is one of those guys who is chronically, chronically addicted to knowing. And mm. there are things that he has to know. Things like, if God exists, you know, why was there the Holocaust? Why was there the tsunami? He's, he's, he's one of these individuals who... who, who who is is blocked is roadblocked by uh, by philosophical uh, booby traps mm -hmm. and and he can't move forward he can't get past them have, have you ever met people like that much yeah I'm, I'm I'm working with a guy right now that's just like that he just he just he, he, he can't get past um, if he if he can't explain it then it, he questions it, and, and and I can't explain, you know, God to 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 the degree that this guy wants me to explain it to him. Yeah, you know, it asks, it asks, please resign from the debating society and yeah. stop worrying about whether it was the hen or the egg. You know, here's the here's the thing: if if you're going to be one of those people who absolutely won't move forward until something is answered. You're like, you're like the guy on the Titanic who is not going to get in the lifeboat until he finds out who is responsible for watching for icebergs. <laughs> That's you know what good. I mean? That's good. I'm not yeah. going anywhere until I find out whose fault this is. Yeah. Don't, don't, worry. don't worry about why. Get in the lifeboat. You are going down. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing with addiction and alcoholism recovery. You are going down, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, but you are going down. Resign from the debating society and get in the lifeboat with us. And the hoop that you have to jump through is not going to be as, as small as you think. 
Yeah. You know, I, yeah. Um, anybody, anybody, as long as they have an open mind, can walk into this. The sponsor continues, take, for example, my own case. I had scientific schooling. Naturally, I respected, venerated, even worshipped science. As a matter of fact, I still do, all except the worship part. Time after time, my instructors held up to me the basic principles of all scientific project, progress. Search and research, again and again, always with the open mind. When I first looked at AA, my reaction was just like yours. This AA business, I thought, is totally unscientific. This I can't swallow. I simply won't consider such nonsense. Then I woke up. I had to admit that AA showed results, prodigious results. I saw that my attitude regarding these had been anything but scientific. It wasn't AA that had the closed mind. It was me. The minute I stopped arguing, I could begin to see and feel. Right there, step two, gently and very gradually began to infiltrate my life. I can't say upon what occasion or upon what day I came to believe in a power greater than myself, but I certainly have that belief now. To acquire it, I had only to stop fighting and practice the rest of the AA program as enthusiastically as I could. So that's an instruction right there. If you're having a lot of problem uh, with God and whether or not God will uh, will relieve you of of uh, your alcoholism or your drug addiction, what you need to do is you need to stop fighting and practice the rest of the steps as enthusiastically as you can. I really okay. like what it says, uh, uh, step two, um, gently and very... Uh, uh, it, it gently is the word I'm looking at because because I have found that God is a gentleman and that that he's never bashed me over the head and said, believe in me, believe in me, you idiot. You know, it's been a very gentle process. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you know, there's a the, the real big problem today with, um, you know, Monty, I had to unbelievable honor of being uh, being uh, w- one of uh, the Saturday night speakers, panel speakers, at the Cape Cod Symposium on Addictive Disorders uh, a couple of months back. Now, I just couldn't believe uh, uh, that, you know, some, you know, coming from where I came from to, to be up at that podium, that was something special. But anyway, basically what my talk was about was, it was about the efficacy of 12, the 12-step process in professional addiction treatment. And how how important it is now. So often, Monty. So often, people uh, don't understand the spiritual aspects of recovery, especially if they have letters after their name. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. yeah, about? Yeah, you bet. Especially if they're PhDs. Uh, PhDs are are the dumbest people you can be dealing with with uh, with addiction and alcoholism recovery believe it or not because they're very close-minded at where it where it goes into the spiritual now the only thing that the only thing that uh that that we care about is we we actually care about results we actually care in uh the 12-step fellowships about results and and that's a very inconvenient thing for a lot of the people who put these treatment processes together. You know, they, uh, many of them uh, are, not, uh, are not wanting the 12-step fellowships into the treatment centers to bring in meetings. There's even a lot of them now that aren't even referring out to the 12-step treatment fellowships because they just they, they, they can't get with the God thing. Now, here's the problem with that. We care about results, okay? 
and rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed the path. There's incredible results behind that statement. And if you look at the results from non-spiritual recovery processes, they are pathetic. Yeah. If they're 6%, that's a lot. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. What, what's what's the true inconvenient truth for a lot of these treatment professionals when they're trying to criticize the 12 steps is that the 12-step process works. It It's worked for 80 years now, and it will continue to work for the people that participate in the recovery process. And and it's the only thing that has brought about wholesale recovery in the millions uh, that that's 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 existed. You know, there's a lot of people come up with a lot of different processes for overcoming uh, addiction uh, of one form or another, and, and they just they never pan out. They never show any real results. They 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 never get above ten percent, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, so again, when we when we say rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path, that's true. And you know, I don't know how verifiable it is because it's difficult to get statistics from uh, an anonymous fellowship, but it's observable. You can see these recoveries if you sure. uh, if you go to the right places to observe them. Yep. This is only one man's opinion based on his own experience, of course. I must quickly assure you that AAs tread innumerable paths in their quest for faith. If you don't care for the one I've suggested, you'll be sure to discover one uh, that suits uh, if only you look and listen. Many a man like you has begun to solve the problem by a method of substitution. You can, if you wish, make AA itself your higher power. Here is a very large group of people who have solved their alcohol problem. In this respect, they are certainly a power greater than you, who have not even come close to a solution. Surely you can have faith in them. Even this minimum of faith will be enough. You will find many members who have crossed the threshold just this way. All of them will tell you that once across, their faith broadened and deepened. Relieved of the alcohol obsession, their lives unaccountably transformed. They came to believe in a higher power, and most of them began to talk of God. Now, Monty, personally, uh, my personal story is I believed in God, but I didn't believe that God was going to be active and a part of my recovery. I didn't believe that God would care enough to, to, to lend a hand. That was my lack of faith. So I was, I, I was like this person. You know, when I, when I first showed up in, uh, uh, in, in the support groups, um, how how I did it was just like that. Uh, I I came to believe that uh, that my my contact from rehab and the support group was a power greater than myself. Uh, I started to do some other things, and very very soon, I started to uh, uh, gather the awareness that um, uh, there was uh, an interventionary deity who was going to. Uh, get involved in, in my life and uh, and help perform uh, a wholesale miracle uh, with me. And, you know, so I, I can kind of understand that. I don't believe that you should think that the doorknob is your God, like for the rest of your life or something. But if, if you need, if you need to begin somewhere, that's great. And if you, if you continue with an open mind, you like, like most of us uh, are going to end up uh, with a very powerful personal relationship with God. 
And that's where, you, you, you see, I hear a lot of folks, um, you, you take that, that statement, you can, if you wish, make AA itself your higher power, period, end of subject. And, and they, they, they think that in the, in the beginning, in step one, where it says uh, only an act of providence, you know, we talked about that last week. Well, isn't, isn't yeah. that a contradiction? No, because here we're talking about a beginning. We're talking about a starting out point, a, a place um, where if you, like you just said, have an open mind, something is going to happen to you and it's got it's going to go further than that. If your God is the 12 steps, I challenge you. Everybody is listening. I challenge you. At some point, if you keep an open mind, it will go deeper than that. It needs to go deeper than that. But to start out with, you don't, so many people won't walk through the doors because they think they have to uh, come to believe in a, spe- a specific higher power today. And because it says, may you find him now. Well, we want that for everybody. But I think this is why it is so important to read things in context and read all of it. Because if we don't, we, we start doing this thing where we just start picking and choosing and we create our own God and then we become the creator. And guess what? We're right back where we started from. Yeah, you, you know, I, I agree so much with you, Monty. Bill was very careful about the words that he chose and, and, and the sentences that he put together. I don't, I don't know of anybody who rewrote uh, and re-edited uh, his material more than, uh, more than uh, Bill did. He was, he, was, uh, he was crazy about it. Uh, and so you you have to you have to know that he's he means exactly what he is saying, and you, you need to not edit him. Uh, so when he basically says that you can you can make AA your higher power, but what will happen is you will de- you will uh, develop a relationship with God. You will come to believe pretty quickly. That, that's what he means. Yeah. And, and and if and if it's not happening for you you aren't enthusiastically practicing the rest of the steps. That's right. Consider next the plight of those who once had faith but lost it. There will be those who have drifted into indifference, those filled with self-sufficiency who have cut themselves off, those who have become prejudiced against religion, and those who are downright defiant because God has failed to fulfill their demands. Can AA experience tell all these they may still find a faith that works? Sometimes AA comes harder to those who have lost or rejected faith than to those who never had any faith at all, for they think they have tried faith and found it wanting. That's a, that's a huge problem. If you mm-hmm. think you've, you've tried it and it's not going to work for you, and you remain convinced that you've tried it and it's not going to work for you, that's a bad place to be. Yeah. You know, that happens to a lot of people that go into AA or NA and, and end up relapsing. They mm-hmm. truly believe that they've tried it and it didn't work. You know, they weren't they weren't exposed to the recovery program. They were fo- exposed to the fellowship uh, uh, nonsense. Right. They have tried the way of faith and the way of no faith. Since both ways have proved bitterly disappointing, they have concluded that there is no place whatever for them to go. The roadblocks of indifference, fancied self sufficiency, prejudice, and defiance often prove more solid and formidable for these people than any erected by the unconvinced agnostic or even the militant atheist. Religion says the existence of God can be proved, the agnostic says it can't be proved, and the atheist claims proof of the non-existence of God. Obviously, the dilemma of the wanderer from faith is that of profound confusion. He thinks himself lost to the comfort of any conviction at all. 
he cannot attain even in a small degree the assurance of the believer, the agnostic, or the atheist. He is the bewildered one. Any number of A's can say to the drifter, yes, we were diverted from our childhood faith too. The overconfidence of youth was too much for us. Of course, we were glad that good home and religious training had been given us, given us certain values. We were still sure that we ought to be fairly honest, tolerant, and just, that we ought to be ambitious and hardworking. We became convinced that such simple rules of fair play and decency would be enough. As material success founded upon no more than these ordinary attributes began to come to us, we felt we were winning at the game of life. That was exhilarating, and it made us happy. Why should we be bothered with theological abstractions and religious duties, or with the state of our souls here or hereafter? The here and now was good enough for us. The will to win would carry us through. But then alcohol began to have its way with us. Finally, when all our scorecards read zero, and we saw that one more strike would put us out of the game forever, we had to look for our lost faith. It was in AA that we rediscovered it, and so can you. And certainly, certainly this is... Uh, this is, you know, something that I understand from from personal experience. Um, you know, uh, it was more a matter, Monty. It was more a matter of aligning my will and aligning my actions in a way conducive for a spiritual experience than anything else. People, people have. Uh, I, I found that that a lot of people feel like they got to get cleaned up before they take a bath. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They, they they feel like they're not good enough, you know, and that they've got to um, – there's something they have to do um, to get themselves in right standing with God. And the truth of the matter is, is that I have found anyway it, in my relationship with God is that um, I'm a human being. It's impossible for me to meet God at his level Um as far as like the expectations I think he's putting on me, I can't meet those. And then I discovered that God loves me just the way I am right now, just exactly the way I am. And that was such a relief for me because uh, I was always trying to, to my, to my own father, I was always trying to, to measure up. And he was a, a highly decorated war hero and he, uh, expected a lot and, and that kind of thing and it was difficult to measure up and I kind of transferred that with God and I found out that God wasn't like that yeah you know again so often we have so many uh, so many different prejudices and Gosh, yeah. uh, the, the great the greatest thing uh, I think about all this is Bill was very very clear that this was going to be uh, a personal relationship that you you were going to have with God. And you just need to be open-minded, and you need to be willing. And and what a great what a great place to start. I know it's like, awesome. You know, there, there wasn't a hundred hoops that you had to jump through. There was just there was just God, you know God makes Himself known. The Father makes Himself known to those who are willing uh, to 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 look. And and you know He went back to very very age old uh, uh, spiritual and religious understandings. You know when He put this book together. Now we come to another kind of problem, the intellectually self-sufficient man or woman. <laughs> These many AAs can say, yes, we were like you, far too smart for our own good. We love to have people call us precocious. We used our education to blow ourselves up into prideful balloons. Though, though we were careful to hide this from others, secretly we felt we could float above the rest of the folks on our brain power alone. 
Scientific progress told us there was nothing man couldn't do. Knowledge was all-powerful. Intellect could conquer nature. Since we were brighter than most folks, so we thought, the spoils of victory would be ours for the thinking. The god of intellect displaced the god of our fathers, but again, John Barleycorn had other ideas. We who had won uh, so handsomely in a walk turned into all-time losers. We saw we had to reconsider or die. We found many in AA who once thought as we did. They helped us to get down to our right size. By their example, they showed us that humility and intellect could be compatible, provided we placed humility first. When we began to do that, we received the gift of faith, a faith which works. This faith is for you, too. Bill, Bill talked a lot in this book about humility, and, you know, he's 12 or 15 years uh, uh, gone from the writing of the big book, and he's got some more experience, and he's had some more ups, and he's had some more downs, and he really talks a lot about humility. But, you know, my, my, favorite, uh, my, my favorite definition of humility, Monty, is an accurate self-appraisal. In other words, truly and accurately uh, uh, identifying where you are, how important you are, what kind of a role you play in this world, and uh, and so often the intellectually uh, self-sufficient truly truly believe that you know they're God's gift to to mankind and. You know, uh, working with them is tough. I had some of that myself. I, c- I come from a very smart family. Um, uh, my brother and sister, I have a brother and sister, they're both Ph.D. college professors. Uh, my mother and father were both Phi Beta Kappa uh, graduates from really good colleges. And, mm. you know, it's just uh, uh, intelligence just runs through my family in a ridiculous way. And then there's me. But, uh, uh, but, you know, I, I, I certainly suffered from that intellectual self-sufficiency. If you were a Schroeder, you know, you had, you had a little bit more on the ball than the average person. And that was basically uh, a belief I had to overcome. And humility is basically, look, I'm dying of alcoholism. doesn't matter how smart I am. I'm not going to outsmart my way out of dying from alcoholism. You know, I, I have to I have to participate in a recovery process just like the goober piles do. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure, sure. And if it truly is, if we really believe this is a, a an illness or a disease and so forth, then we can't we can't outsmart our way out. If we're dying of cancer and we got two months to live, you know, yeah, absolutely. I don't, you absolutely. can't think your way through that. No, no, you, you you can't you can't say cancer. I'm smarter than you. Go away. I mean, no, no way. And then, you know, same same thing with uh, same thing with this. Right. Another crowd of AA say we were plumb disgusted with religion and all its works. The Bible we said was full of nonsense. We could cite a chapter and verse, and we couldn't see the beatitudes for the begats. In spots, its morality was impossibly good, and others it seemed impossibly bad. But it was the morality of the religionists themselves that really got us down. We gloated over the hypocrisy, bigotry, and crushing self-righteousness that clung to so many believers, even in their Sunday best. How we'd love to shout the damaging fact that millions of the good men of religion were still killing one another off in the name of God. This all meant, of course, that we had substituted negative for positive thinking. After we came to AA, we had to recognize that this trait had been an ego-feeding proposition. In belaboring the sins of some religious people, we could feel superior to all of them. Moreover, we could avoid looking at some of our own shortcomings. Self-righteousness, the very thing that we had contemptuously condemned in others, was our own besetting evil. This phony form of respectability was our undoing, so far as faith was concerned. 
But finally, driven to AA, we learned better. As psychiatrists have observed, defiance is the outstanding characteristic of many an alcoholic. So it's not strange that lots of us have had our day at defying God himself. Sometimes it's because God has not delivered us the good things of life which we specified, as a greedy child makes an impossible list for Santa Claus. More often, though, we had met up with some major calamity and to our way of thinking lost out because God deserted us. The girl we wanted to marry had other notions. We prayed God that she'd change her mind, but she didn't. We prayed for healthy children, and we were presented with sick ones, or none at all. We prayed for promotions at business, and none came. Loved ones, upon whom we heartily depended, were taken from us by so-called acts of God. Then we became drunkards and asked God to stop that, but nothing happened. This was the unkindest cut of all. Damn this faith business, we said. When we encountered AA, the fallacy of our defiance was revealed. At no time had we asked what God's will was for us. Instead, we had been telling him what it ought to be. No man we saw could believe in God and defy him, too. Belief meant reliance, not defiance. That's amazing. That's an amazing shift in perception. Mm-hmm. It, 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 really, mm-hmm. it really is, especially for the alcoholic. In AA, we saw fruits of this belief. Men and women spared from alcohol's final catastrophe. We saw them meet and transcend their other pains and trials. We saw them calmly accept impossible situations, seeking neither to run nor to recriminate. This was not only faith, it was faith, it was faith that worked under all conditions. We soon concluded that whatever price and humility we must pay, we would pay. Now let's take the guy full of faith but still reeking of alcohol. He believes he's devout. His religious observance is scrupulous. He's sure he still believes in God but suspects that God doesn't believe in him. He takes pledges and more pledges. Following each, he not only drinks again but acts worse than the last time. Valiantly, he tries to fight alcohol, imploring God's help, but the help doesn't come. What, then, can be the matter? To clergymen, doctors, friends, and families, the alcoholic who means well and tries hard is a heartbreaking riddle. The most AAs he is not. There are too many of us who have been just like him and have found the riddle's answer. The answer has to do with the quality of faith rather than its quantity. This has been our blind spot. We supposed we had humility when we really didn't. We supposed we had been serious about religious practices when, upon honest appraisal, we found we had only been superficial. Or going to the other extreme, we had wallowed in emotionalism and had mistaken it for true religious feeling. In both cases, we had been asking something for nothing. The fact was we really hadn't cleaned house so the grace of God could enter us and expel the obsession. And cleaning house, Monty, is basically steps three through ten, really. Mm -hmm. In no deep or meaningful sense had we ever taken stock of ourselves, made amends to those we had harmed, or freely given to any other human being without any demand for reward. We had not even prayed rightly. We had always said, grant me my wishes instead of thy will be done. The love of God and man we understood not at all. Therefore, we remain self-deceived and so incapable of receiving enough grace to restore us to sanity. So for us to receive enough grace to restore us to sanity, we really do have to clean house, Monty. We have to participate in a recovery process. Yeah, and that's not a contradiction of what I said earlier, that you don't have to get cleaned up to take a bath. It's really not a contradiction. Um, If you're a mess right now, God loves you, man. He does. Uh, but for 
for your life to change, um, there, there's got to be a process that takes place. And, and for me, that was the steps. Absolutely. There's got to yeah. be a fundamental change. You know, there's, there's, there's something, something definitely, uh, definitely wrong. If, uh, you know, cause I was, uh, uh, Chris, I was that guy that they last described there. You know, I was in ministry. I was, I was a youth pastor and I was an associate pastor. And, and, um, one day I found myself showing up at a youth event intoxicated uh, I hit it pretty well, but then the next next thing I knew, without even turning around, I was drinking with the youth group. I was that guy that people in 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 twelve step fellowships really hate. <laughs> right, right. You know, so I was that guy. I thought I thought that I, you know, and hey, man, I've been to Bible college. I've done this. I've got some, you know, some things to show for it. Surely God's going to take this away from me, and nothing happened. Yeah, so, you know, uh, it, it does make a little bit of sense what Bill says. It's about yeah. quality, not quantity. You bet. You know, it's not how many times you're going to church. It's, 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 it's how you're engaging in a spiritual life. And, uh, and, and again, you know, uh, I, I agree with that. I, I so do. It's not the smart people that make it in recovery. It's, it's not, uh, you know, it's not the lucky people. It's not the not the older people it's not the younger people you know who it is it's the willing people who make it the people who are really willing to to do the things that you you might find you know uncomfortable to do uh the the people that just hitch up their bootstraps and get about the business of doing what they're asked to do and uh, and again you know i started working with a, a new guy last night and this is this is somebody who's been relapsing for a hundred years and you know, uh, I I see a I see a sense of willingness in him. Otherwise, I wouldn't bother. But I see desperation. I see I see a sense of willingness. I, I think that if I ask him to do certain things, he's going to do them. And you know what? If he doesn't, then you know he's going to be on his way. But uh, but if he does do the things that I ask him to do, if that willingness manifests and he actually gets it done, he's got a real good shot of re- recovery, even though he's been relapsing for fifteen twenty years. Yeah. You know? Yep. Few indeed are the practicing alcoholics who have any idea how irrational they are, or seeing their irrationality can bear to face it. Some will be willing to term themselves problem drinkers, but cannot endure the suggestion that they are in fact mentally ill. They are abetted in this blindness by a world which does not understand the difference between sane drinking and alcoholism. Sanity is defined as soundness of mind, Yet no alcoholic soberly analyzing his destructive behavior, whether the destruction fell on the dining room furniture or on his own moral fiber, can claim soundness of mind for himself. Therefore, step two is the rallying point for all of us. Whether agnostic, atheist, or former believer, we can stand together on this step. True humility and an open mind can lead us to faith, and every AA meeting is an assurance that God will restore us to sanity if we rightly relate ourselves to him. So now, three different times, Bill has said that God will restore you to sanity. You will recover from alcoholism uh, through spirituality if you rightly relate yourself to God. How do you rightly relate yourself to God? You take an honest shot at and do your best uh, job with the 12 Steps. You know, and 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 I'll tell you what—something magic happens uh, 
during that process and certainly after you've gotten through it, something magic has transpired in your life. You know, that's certainly been my experience. My, um, what, what it did for me, even though I had all this head knowledge, you know, um, and I'd heard it said in other ways, I mean, it wasn't anything new. But for some reason or another, I believe that God led me into uh, the rooms of my 12-step fellowship. Um, I, I wasn't kicking and screaming, but I certainly wasn't walking in on my own power. I know that. And um, for some reason, something clicked. As somebody that had gone through the steps and had worked them thoroughly and their life had changed, they had a spiritual awakening as a result of those steps, took me through them. And what it did is it, for the first time, it showed the steps, showed my need for a higher power in my life, for a power that could restore me to sanity. Um, I knew that, but I, I, I could never, it could never go from my head to my heart until that happened. And uh, then I realized that it wasn't that there was power in the steps. It was that the steps were a tool to show me that I needed a power. And that's when it became clear to me. And that's, that's when my life turned around. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, I'm the same way. It might be just a little different. That You know, what the steps did was exposed me to the power. Yeah. Uh, cleared away enough of my own issues that were blocking me from the power uh, for the power to have a, a clean shot at me, if that right. makes any sense. It makes total sense, yeah. You know. Wow. Wow. Uh, my goodness. Uh, hey, let, let me ask you this. How many, just off the top of your top of your head, how many people do you work with? Um, would you say in a, a year's period of time? Uh, in a year's period of time, I, I don't know, uh, a dozen or more, probably. You know, in in the course in the course of my days, uh, I've probably uh, taken over a hundred, uh, maybe a couple hundred people through the steps in workshop formats. If you counted that, then it would go into the thousands. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but you know, personally, you know, and so often, so often I can get criticized for this. Like, ah, yeah, how do you work with all those? And, and it's really not onerous, uh, Monty. You know, when um, probably twice a week or so I'm meeting with somebody and we're, we're doing step work or we're doing uh, fellowship stuff of one kind or another, we're going to a, you know, we're catching up and getting current, going to a speaking commitment or something. And, uh, you know, uh, I've, I've also become very, very discerning about, you know, who I work with and, and how, I, how I work with them. I, I used to work with just about anybody that asked. Now it's more about I work with the people who, uh, who have proven to me they're willing uh, to, do, uh, to do the work. You know, uh, I, I don't waste my time anymore with somebody who want, just wants me to be their drama coach. Uh, you know, and that's yeah. quite that's quite often the case. They they want you to go to traffic court with them, you know, but they don't want to come over to your house and start step work for God's sake. You, you know, <laughs> they just they just want the, the drama coach, and and I don't do that anymore. You know, in the early days I did, but uh, I, I know how not to waste my time now. Right, because it's not just a waste of my time; it's a waste of their time too. If they really think they're involved uh, with recovery because they're, they're being, their drama is being coached by somebody, if they really think that, then that's doing them a disservice, 
it's not only wasting my time, it's allowing them to believe that they're involved in a solution when they're not. Exactly. I have a, I have a, a very, very good friend who <coughs> works with, with quite a number of folks, and he, he definitely qualifies them. You know, I mean, he, he uh, you know, it talks about in the big book, talks about the alcoholic or the potential alcoholic or whoever. Uh, they need to be convinced that, that they're an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. And then the person working with them needs to be convinced, and the family needs to be convinced. I mean, that we're convinced is so important. And uh, and what he he does, somebody will come to him. And recently, somebody came to him and said, uh, "You know, will you work with me?" And he said, "Okay, this is what I want you to do. You know, A, B, C. This is this is what I want you to to do in this first week." And the person came back to him and says, "You know, I think I really need to work with somebody that thinks like I do." <laughs> yeah. and, and the so guy we, had just come back we, from a relapse yeah. too you, you know what that means which means who's not going to inconvenience me with a bunch of stuff I don't want to do <laughs> yeah. I know okay, it, okay. Well, well listen you know, I'm very nice to, to people like that Yeah. but I, I do let them know that, that uh, there's probably a better than average chance that they're wrong <laughs> you know yeah. and uh and if they're willing if they're willing to to pay the price of being wrong that that's fine I'll, you know I, i'll be around if they make it back sure sure you know? yeah you bet the door, sometimes sometimes the door is closed but it's not locked you can still walk yeah. through it yeah absolutely absolutely well next week we're going to be talking about step three in the 12 by 12 and again, if you don't have a 12 by 12, you're not able to get a hold of one, you can go to aa.org forward slash 12 and 12 and a PDF file of, of the book will come up and you can read right along with us. Uh, I would encourage you, though, I really would to get a copy of it. Uh, they're not very expensive at all. Many times, uh, if you don't have the money, a group will, will give you one. Um, you can go to uh, <coughs> your service offices and so forth. Um, you can buy them online. Um, but uh, to do this to do this workshop that we're doing without reading along, I think you're cheating yourself. So, so try to get a hold of one of those if you if you can't. Um, give me a call here at uh, at Take Twelve Radio at five four one nine two six zero three two two or email email me at Take Twelve Radio at Comcast.net. We'll find a way. We'll get a hold of somebody that will get you one of these things. It's really not that difficult to do. Chris, thank you so much. You got it, Monty. We'll see you again next week. We will see you next week. All right, friends, don't forget, we, uh, we are concerned about you. We want you to succeed, and we're wishing God's serenity for you. Bye-bye. broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.